This is an audio review of the Meat for Tea cast. This review originally appeared on iTunes on January 26, 2022, by username OJason. OJason titled the review Great Conversation. Five out of five stars were awarded for the program. The review goes as follows. I really enjoy this podcast because it's much looser and free-flowing than your average interview program. It feels as though you're dropping in on a groovy dinner party. The show brings in writers, musicians, and visual artists, and the conversations are a joy for the ears, dot, dot, dot. Oh, there's always some laugh-out-loud moments, too. A great companion to the periodical. Cheers. And then in parentheses, the reviewer writes, cue clinking glasses sound effects. And since this is an audio review... The Meet for Cast is brought to you in part by Lab, a recording studio in East Hampton, Massachusetts. Offering recording, mixing, and mastering of all styles of music, we even master podcasts. Email info at sonelab.com for more information. That's info at S-O-N-E-L-A-B dot com. That's the record button. Have we started? We have started. So this is the Meat for Tea cast. You might always start like that. Who knows? Hello. Hello. Thanks for joining us. For season three. Episode 11. Of the Meat for Tea cast. This is it. This is Elizabeth McDuffie. This is Mark Allen Miller. We've got a really exciting episode with our longtime friend and collaborator, the one, the only... Matt Tarlecki. Of Abandoned Building Brewery. He is the vision, the, the concept man behind the brewery. He is the one who brought it to the building that my studio is in back in 2013. 13. Wow. We've been collaborating with him on the Cirques at least since 2014, if not slightly before. Yeah, I think we tried to determine that during this conversation with him. And, well, you'll have to listen to find out what we determined. We find out all kinds of things, including... His West Philly stomping grounds seem to overlap with those of my West Philly kids. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really cool. Some of the stories, of course, we were familiar with personally, but most of it actually was new to me. Yeah. Yep. It's probably going to be new to you guys, too. It's super fascinating, super lively stuff. Yeah, but before we get into that, let's... Housekeeping let's corner. A little housekeeping corner. There's a podcast that I listen to from time to time that has housekeeping, and they actually have housekeeping music. Mm. Hmm. Oh, right. We always have music anyway. Oh, well, there's housekeeping for you. There's a segue. You know, I don't know if we've ever mentioned, but uh, a lot, or if not all, of the incidental music throughout the podcast is based on my music. Otherwise known as Out Out. Yes. It's usually either alternate mixes from records such as my album Deep Sound or 
outtakes of things that were unfinished but were interesting enough that I thought, well, we could use them for something. I hold on to it and then, hey, I could use it for the podcast. So if you like what you hear, you can support me. You, you can, can own it. You can support or own a version of it. Whatever streaming platform you prefer is fine. But if you really want to support me directly, you can go to outout.bandcamp.com and um, possibly even buy the old discography because it, it is at a discount. But there's some stuff available on vinyl. There is at least one thing. One thing is available on vinyl through Bandcamp. So if you're a vinyl aficionado, that's another thing that might tempt you. But meet for TCAST housekeeping. If you like what you hear, please rate and review us. Five stars if you can. If you're on Apple Podcasts, you can certainly leave some writing. And you can write whatever you want, but really writing helps the algorithm determine that these people are engaged in listening to our podcast and then ranks us higher in search results or something. Also helps people find us. Yeah. You can also tell your friends and family and that helps people find us too. Yes. In fact, that may be the, probably the number one thing you can do is tell your friends, tell your family that you like the Meet for T-Cast and they should listen. And you can throw us some dollars by going to meetfortea.com forward slash donate dot htm to thank us for our efforts and hard work and keeping content coming to you regularly. Or if you're on the meetfortea.com website, there is the little t-shirt icon on every page's menu at the top. You can go and buy a bunch of cool swag that we've got available. T-shirts, mugs, hoodies, socks, pint glasses. Yeah, I think so much cool shit. Tote bags, tote bags, water bottles. Yeah, all stuff emblazoned with our logos of various forms, including Chris Wenz's brilliant meatini. And I need to track down Chris Wenz and give him a meatini T-shirt. Chris Wenz, if somehow you're listening to this, reach out. Yes, and speaking of reaching out, if you want to reach out to us, you can reach out to us at meetfortcast at gmail dot com. In fact, you can. Send a voice message to me. We'll for play it on the podcast. Probably, yeah. We'd so, like to hear from you. Speaking of reviews, we actually have a nice, a nice uh, review from Random Movie Goer on Apple Podcasts that uh, writes a delightful tea. This podcast is a delightful listen. The hosts feel as familiar and warm as your as any of your favorite radio DJs. The banter between them and their guests makes you feel like you're amongst friends. Looking forward to new installments of the show, as well as catching up on their rich library of past episodes. Wow. That's really, that's awesome to hear. Thank you, Random Movie Gore. Thanks so much. You know, I should say, speaking of past episodes, it is Black History Month, and we did a series of really cool episodes for Juneteenth in... 2020, actually, and we have a lovely conversation with Khalif Neville, where he shares his father, Charles Neville's fascinating stories. Got another one with Nicole Young and Khalif Smith. I think those are worth revisiting. We'll drop the episode numbers in the show notes. So do we have anything else that we need to address? Oh, we we should just uh, let you all know. Be excited if you're local and get ready. There is a Cirque, March 12th, 
It's going to be an abandoned building brewery. Doors at seven. Bands are Pineapples and Heroes of Tulik. There's going to be art on exhibit by Maggie Nowinski and possibly Thomas Matthew Campbell and definitely films from Thomas Matthew Campbell too. So, And uh, spoken word from some of our contributors. Always spoken word. Yeah, always. And the new issue, the Russian caravan issue will be hot off the presses and available at a low, low Cirque price. Yep. Come to the Cirque if you're local enough and you can get your latest issue for a couple bucks off as our thank you for coming and attending the release shows. So that's it. I think we should get into our conversation with Matt. What do you think? Without further ado. Here's Matt Tarlecki. Hello, Matt. Hello there. Thanks for joining us. We've got Matt Tarlecki of Abandoned Building Brewery here on the Meat for Tea cast. Welcome. So exciting. Hello, everyone. This is my first podcast ever. Wow. Well, don't be shy. Don't be nervous. It's casual. Yep. (laughs) I, I like to tell our guests just to imagine that you're our guests at dinner or out for dinner at a restaurant. And what are the things we'd talk about if we were just out for a hang together? Or in this case, maybe sitting around having a beer. Well, it sounds like you're right here, so. Yeah, yeah, you sound loud and clear. This is excellent. Great. So I think the first thing to do is to sort of establish, well, who you are, Matt, and why Meat for Tea. And I think the beginning of that is your story of how you came to be not only in East Hampton, but how you came to be, just by coincidence, my neighbor uh, at the studio. I mean, the um, there's many different levels of pulling back the onion to how I got to East Hampton. Um, <laughs> you know, there's all kinds of fun stories about how I got there. So I guess I could go back. Oh, man, let's see here. I, mean, I guess so the reason I ended up in East Hampton in the first place was, you know, to look for a place for the brewery. So if you take that sort of starting point, you could trace that back like 10 years from then to like when I started making beer. So that was like home brewing at my apartment when I was in college. This was out in California in like 2003, no, sorry, 2005 or six. So oh, in California. Which yeah. part? So this was in central California. It was like at a town that was basically right in the middle of LA and San Francisco. The town was called San Luis Obispo. Oh yeah. I know where that is. It's beautiful. It's a great place. Beautiful. It really is. It's like right in the central coast. So you've got, you know, the, the campus was like 10 minutes from the beach and you got vineyards and mountains. Really fun time as a, as a place to go to school. And then to really like get introduced to some really great like West Coast beers, which I never had ever had before I was out there. So that was really, really fun and interesting. And, you know, at the time, like making homebrews when you're like 21, 22, like we didn't really care at all <laughs> what it tasted like. <laughs> right. Um, I made beer. Yay. <laughs> Did it do the yeah, job? <laughs> that, exactly. That's pretty much what it came down to. We're like, hey, we did it. Right. And we'll see how it comes out. Like maybe, you know, in the end. I remember we actually used to like, for whatever reason, we would always buy like the cheapest beers we could find when we were making the homebrew. Maybe to like encourage us to try to make something that tasted better than what we were drinking. <laughs> but uh, 
set the bar low. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're like, we can't exactly set the bar real low. And, um, you know, that, so that was like in college, 2006, 2007. And I kept doing home brewing once I left school, um, moved back to Philly for a couple of years, which is where my parents were from, which where I grew up in the, um, in the suburbs of Philly, nice, uh, like a half hour West around like Valley Forge and Westchester area. Sure. And at the time I was like working in civil engineering, which is what I went to school for. So like the civil engineering tinkerer in me and like the recipe and brewing side really kind of combined. And that's where like all the fun experiments sort of started and kind of get a little more serious with like recipe development and trying to like make things that like tasted similar from batch to batch. Right. But at the same time, um, I had a bunch of friends from high school that were still living in Philly and they were in these like cool row houses in West Philly. Oh yeah. They'd always have like, they'd always have house shows. My daughter lives in one. Yeah. There, it was kind of a really interesting thing to experience to have some friends that were living there and like musicians that were putting on music shows and weird art shows really weird stuff happens in West Philly. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're lucky to be able to visit there periodically because my daughter and granddaughter and her husband all live. Yeah. They live, uh, uh, I can't remember the name of the neighborhood now, but, uh, I think, I think it's, uh, Conestoga. Yeah. South Conestoga is the street. Yeah. I can't, I can't quite place it. I don't know it well enough, but it's, uh, it's definitely West Philly for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like West Philly, lovely. It definitely has a feel to it. Yeah, and the, the the house they were on, I well, the original house was on Spruce Street, and they called oh, their yeah. house the Spruce Caboose. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. Cool. Yeah, I think I know where Spruce yeah. is vaguely. Yeah. So, one of my friends who lived there, you know, they would put on house house, uh, you know, music um, of like basically free concerts in the basement. So I would like bring out the little five gallon homebrew kegs of homebrew to the concerts, and like be slinging pints to people. Nice. Yeah. And it was kind of like speakeasy beer. Yeah. Speakeasy homebrew beer. And that was like the first kind of time I like people were like, oh, this is great. I mean, it's better than what most people were drinking that these things. But it was kind of cool to get like an audience. That was like the first time I had an audience to like serve the beer. Yeah. So I did that a couple of times over the years there uh, and and really kind of like got a feel for and really started to enjoy like serving people beer that, um, that I made and they were always at music shows. So like there was always people that were just there to like, you know, kind of like rock out, have a good time and then have, you know, have some brews too. You know, as we know, the kind of the, one of the perfect combinations is, <laughs> is music and, and beer. Music and beer. Yeah. Uh, especially homebrew beer that like was, you know, su- seemed like super DIY, just like a kid serving it out of a plastic tap um, from like a bucket in the back. So it, it kind of had a cool feel to it. And at the time, I don't know if you know this, Mark, but I get this, asked this question all the time. People are like, you know, where'd the name come for the brewery? I have a vague idea, but I, I think the story is worth telling even if I don't know, or even if I do know. Sure. Sure. <laughs> so, it was during, you know, during this, the homebrew phase where my, my good buddy, you know, we would always, he was kind of like, 
doing a lot of urban exploring around Philadelphia too. They had a lot of abandoned warehouses and sure. you know, cool. a lot, a lot of that out there. And at the time, you know, the name just kind of came up in conversation, you know, Oh, like abandoned building brewing. Um, Cause we're always doing that and, and, and always checking things out. So the name of the brewery came before I ended up in East Hampton. Nice. And I have, still kind of kicking around somewhere. I like made myself original business cards called, you know, abandoned brewing, uh, abandoned building brewery or brewing. I guess remember what it was. And the picture was like one of these abandoned buildings we had been in before. So that name just kind of stuck. Sure. Yeah. You, you might actually have known my son. He ran the um, pedal co-op. Well, that sounds familiar. In Philly, John Paul McDuffie Woodburn, founder of Pedal Co-op. There's sort of the inspiration for the pedal people out here in Western Mass. Oh, yeah, yeah. Very, very noticeable. He was living in West Philly when he was doing that and also doing um, interesting street art installation pieces and going to and hosting a lot of music shows in it, West Philly basements. If, if the timing is right... The, the chance of crossing paths is pretty high, I think. Oh, yeah. Because he oh, was yeah. there in like 2009, 2012. He, he moved to Pittsburgh, I think, 2013. So you, you, you very well could have crossed paths. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah, because that was the time frame I was there was that, you know, after college was like 2009, 2012. Yeah. So it's oh, very man. likely. Oh, that's he, he was doing his master's, um, also engineering at um, Penn yeah. at the time. Yeah, his, 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 what was his engineering specialty? Bioengineering. Bioengineering, right, yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, now he's a tech boy in Seattle. <laughs> yeah, doing biomed engineering is pretty interesting stuff. It's like, uh, it's like biology and engineering combined to do, you know, prosthetic limbs and really interesting yeah. things. He did a lot of like stuff with um, lung function and lung machines. He, uh, he had a pretty illustrious resume, but anyway, it's funny cause you guys were bopping around the same hood at the same time. I'm trying to remember his original address. He and his roommates had built a skateboarding pipe in their house. Oh, cool. That's what you do with your engineering skills. In the house. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's so great. And there's a coffee shop right there in West Philly um, that everyone went to. Oh God, it's it's kind of bicycle centered. The name of it too. I know exactly what you're talking about. Right? Yeah, you can't miss it. Um, it that's a that's a walk from my daughter's current house now. So this is right okay. that same hood. Yeah, I don't know. It's been too long since I've been there. I don't know the exact road names, but I can definitely picture being at there. You said, yeah, very bike-themed cafe. Yeah. Definitely like a place people congregate on the weekends, you know. Yep, yep. It's really good, too. I should know the name because we were just there on Thanksgiving, but, we, th of course, that was just a quick quick hit. But anyway, that's so funny. We, we've got all these mutual, mutual West Philly connections. Really cool. Yeah. I like the small world stuff. Right. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of where this name originated from was this, you know, kind of interest and fun of like doing this urban exploring. And I just always liked like 
I was always attracted to, to big, big buildings and seeing them in like the super raw, torn down state was just very interesting to me. Me too. You see their skeletons that way. And as a civil engineer, I imagine that's fascinating. Yeah. To see the, you know, the, the bones. Yeah. I always thought it was. My father being a civil engineer, I know we've talked about this before. My father being a civil engineer was always fascinated with the, the structures as well. And he, he was fascinated with the building that we are in when he got to see it. He, he was just like, oh, wow, look, you know, look at, look at this. And I'm sure, you know, running through his mind was like, uh, that doesn't look good. <laughs> There's so much potential too, though, for, for excellent repurposing. Exactly. Which is what you've done. Yeah. So kind of like stepping back a little bit, I had some same high school friends that had left Philly and were living up here, going to school at, I think they were mostly at Hampshire. Okay. Makes so, sense. Yeah visiting them in the summertime or wintertime. They were living on a farm in Belchertown at the time. So I would do the same thing I was doing in Philly. I was, you know, it was a little bit more of a, of a trek, but I would be bringing up kegs of, of, of beer for like New Year's Eve parties. And uh, actually they're the, this, this couple or one of the couple, uh, members of the couple was one of the founding people of um, the original uh, Chili Fest, which I'm sure you've heard us talk about before. Oh, yeah, yeah. How mm-hmm. cool. That now happens in Sunderland, but years ago it was happening so at this farm in Belchertown. And it was like super DIY. Like there was no like sponsorships or, you know, it was pretty much if people showed up, they were happy for that. So instead of doing the same thing I was doing in Philly, I was bringing up beers, getting to meet people. Um, I never really been to the area before, so I was exploring things, checking things out. And after a few years, people were like, you got to come up to, you got to leave Philly, Matt, and come up here and start a brewery. <laughs> and at the time, I was like, this, this, that's too, you know, that's like not an attainable goal. It's a, right. it's a and huge idea. That, that's a big mountain to climb. Yeah. It just, you know, it, it, it was easy for us to talk about, but it just, you know, so many logistics and things to think about and, at the time, like I said, I was working as at a civil engineering place um, outside of Philadelphia. So I was like, why would I leave this like pretty steady job to go do something crazy? <laughs> uh, but eventually I got, you know, the, the more you like talk about it and think about this like idea that seems so kind of ex- like exploratory, it just eventually ended up happening. Yeah. And um, it was like a, I was doing research on like looking for places to, to rent. And lo and behold, came across 142 Pleasant mm-hmm. on some website. Yeah. I remember and, the original 142 Pleasant Street website, you know, sort of they talked about their tenants, I think. And I think, I think it, was yeah. kind of, it was like us in glacial, glacier wear and. That was about it. <laughs> that was it. Maybe a woodworking place at some time. There was a woodworking place. That's right. There, there was a woodworking place as well down on the very far end where, you know, Tapatico is, I think, or, you know, the very, very, very last. Oh, yeah. Unit. I think, yeah, you're right about that. And that was it. So, <laughs> so I checked this place out and then I was, I was up here for, for, uh, for a New Year's party. That's actually when I had a chance to meet with the landlord and like, look at the space. 
And I came with my buddy that was living up here at the time in Hadley. And he's like, dude, this place is a dump. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's, I don't know what you're thinking, but this place is rough, you know? And uh, he, he showed me the space at the time. Like the doors were just like two pieces of plywood just kind of propped against the wall. Yep. And the, the space was just like from front to back, like chest high, just like full of junk. And I don't know what else was there. Old plastics, um, like labeling equipment and yeah, like, like parts of control panels from various machines and, and the, the guts of one mechanism minus like everything that would make it work. That kind of stuff. It was, yeah, it was filled with it. Just filled with like rolls of labels and like buckets of ink and racks full of all kinds of uh, machinery equipment. And you're like, what, what, you're like, what happened in here? You know? <laughs> yeah. That was, that was Yankee plastics. <laughs> yep. That was Yankee plastics. That's still how I tell people how to find some lab. Yeah. And the sign of course is long gone now, but there, that sign stayed up until what? Like 20, there was like the, the two Yankee plastic signs stayed in the building until I think 2018 or 2017. For a while. I mean, well beyond the uh, existence of the company and the building. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, about the time, yeah, there was no other sign on the building. So we're like, just look for the Yankee plastic sign for the, right. to get yep. to us. Yep. And we did that too. And then all of a sudden it was gone and people were like, how do I find you? Of course, yeah. now I tell anybody who's never been to, to the studio before, I say, well, look for abandoned buildings. Oh yeah. Brewery. You guys are the landmark now. Absolutely. We have the only sign on the side of the building now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it, that, I, that's distinguished. I can make it even easier too if I say, and also it's the next building over in the back next to INSA, you know, the dispensary. And people are like, oh, yes. sure, I know where you are. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm glad you put that sign up because it really helps. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm happy it helps out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you found that raw I think, space. Uh, I, rem I remember when you were first coming in and looking me at the too. place. Yeah. It was, um, so like I said, so that was the first time I saw it and I thought it was great. I thought it had so much potential. Uh, it was a huge space. You know, the, I think the way space is going, you look at them, you're always like, what am I ever going to fill this with? Or it seems so much bigger than I need it to be. At the time, I was like, it looks like a great place to start. And talking to the landlord, um, he had all these things to talk about how the bike trail was going to get redone and the parking lot was going to get built out. And like, he's like, if you, if you want to come here and if you can just kind of stick it out for maybe a couple of years and deal with like the parking lot, that was basically like an old rail yard. Oh yeah. Uh, there, yeah. There were actual rails running right, right up next to the building. Yeah. Right up to the building. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, there were giant holes and, overgrown yeah. shrubs and it didn't look, you know, people like really thought the building was abandoned, abandoned. based on the name of the brewery. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so like I said, at the time I already had the name for the brewery, uh, you, know, you know, I guess in my head thinking ideally I could find a place that would match the name. And I was like, this is it. This is the spot. Yeah. So that's, that's how the, you know, the search for the building came to be. And that was in 2012, I think that was. That sounds about right, because we had yeah. just opened our doors. That must have been the end of 2012, because we just opened our doors at the studio in April of 2012. 
I think when I was looking at it, um, like I said, I was I was getting shown your guys' space, and like I said, you guys just had the concrete put down. I mean, it was fresh, you know. Oh yeah. Oh, so you may have even seen it before we had all before our walls up. Before it was up. finished. Well, I'm trying to think. I, I'm not sure about that, but like I might have got like a little inside view and saw how it was like everything was 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 pretty much brand new, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they may, yeah, they may have just pointed out the, the concrete slabs that we poured, uh, you know, as sort of as a structural element, because that's something you would need too. Exactly. Like, look, the building can support like a concrete floor being poured on top of the current floor. And, and, and then tanks filled with liquid at, at, you know, a pound a pint. Yes. And then also that too. So that was another big thing that, you know, Jump back to the civil engineering mind working like, hey, can the floors hold thousands of pounds of beer, you know? Right. Yeah, you never mind the empty tanks. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that was that that had crossed my mind at that point too. Like, well, and then I think you you introduced yourself as like, you know, I have a civil engineering background and I said, Oh, you're perfect for this then. Yeah, it definitely you know, set me at ease a little bit knowing that I could kind of figure out some of these structural interactions between the building and the tanks and the floor and all that kind of fun stuff. And, you know, to this, to this day, it's worked out quite well. We haven't had any issues at all in that space with, with the floor or the tanks um, or the people. Right. Yeah. Fill the place up. Yeah. So it wasn't long after abandoned building brewery got up and running that I approached you <laughs> Oh yeah. I, I think I remember one of those earlier circs because I was still building the space out and I was like, right. what's going on next door, you know? And I think that's was, I mean, that must've been, uh, do you guys know when you, when you had your first circ in that space? Um, I think our first circs at Sone Lab, cause we'd been doing them at the 11s in Northampton, which had just grown um, less and less tenable, right? For a number of reasons, I think 2014 is the first time Sone Lab and Abandoned Building Brewery show up together. Okay, on a circ event. Yeah, we did them a few times where we were trying to do like the films in the spaces while I was projecting onto one of the walls. and Oh yeah, that does sound familiar. It was like on a side wall. So 2012 was, was our works, first but... one at Sone Lab. Okay. Yeah, we, we started Cirque pretty quick. Cirque de Velo. Yeah, we started pretty quick after I got in there. Well, it was weird. Um, we were at the 11s and um, the the guy who did the booking just, just never took anything seriously and he'd contact me like a week before my event where I had my bands booked everything and say, Oh shit, I accidentally booked other bands. So you need to move your event. Worst case, we just get new bands. I'm like, wait a minute, hold the phone, buddy. These guys are traveling. They're looking forward to this. That's not the way any of this works. We even had a guarantee right. on one of the bands one time that they tried to pull that. Oh, uh, when we had MC front a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the, the last Cirque the Eleventh, actually, I named uh, Cirque de Adieu, you know, bye-bye. <laughs> Very fitting. <laughs> right? No, no hint there. And then, um, actually, a band that we had playing Cirque de Adieu suggested 
why don't you just do it at Sound Lab? They just toured the space, and that's the first time either Mark or I had thought about it. That band is now um, Collage Montage. Oh, it was Collage Montage, right? It was, yeah. Yeah, it was Angelica while she was doing my hair. Oh, yeah, it was a Joe, yeah. Uh, Joe and Angelica. And we're like, oh, well, Dead, Dead Till Tuesday was his old project. That's, right. That was the band that played the circuit. They came up from Brooklyn. Yep. And um, she's like, why don't you just do them at Sound Lab? And that happened. <laughs> sort of, duh, right? okay. And then yeah. you moved in, and I think we started our our first circus here. I don't know. I'm, I I can't believe it was as late as June 2014 because maybe it was. It was shortly after you put the projector up. <laughs> yeah, and that might be correct because even though I was in there like building out the space during 2013, we never actually opened for customers until it was April of 2014. So it's very likely that that first one might have been, you know, June, either June or September of that year too. It was definitely June. Was was the first one? Um, we have all the old event listings on the yeah, website. Yeah, I'm looking at my oh nice at the Meat for Tea website. Um, Le Cirque de la Pond de la Poissière. Um, September, yeah, June 14th, 2014, which is hilarious. That must have been it. That yeah. was it. Wow, so you had not been open very long. That's That was hilarious. Boy, we didn't waste any time. Well, on June right. 1st, 2014, we got married. Oh, wow. And we got back from our honeymoon on June 7th. And I had this strange idea that leading up to the wedding or maybe on our honeymoon, I'd find time to drum up ad revenue and work on the magazine uh, nope. This we went. That's right. This was this was the, the the one we got back from our honeymoon. And I had a week. zero ad revenue for printing. Zero dollars. Zero content laid in. I had not done any layout at all. We, we just got married. <laughs> we just got married. Just got back from our honeymoon. Just got on back the, from honeymoon see, on a Sunday. And I did not work on the honeymoon. I think it went to press on the Thursday or Friday, oh, and then we wow. had the Cirque that Saturday. I think when I even got there for the circle, I was like, whew, that was a squeaker. <laughs> right. And, and it was the first time doing it in collaboration with you having the films in the in the tap room. I've looked back that on that. That was momentous. That was crazy. That was what I was going to say. That was actually genuine insanity that we even thought that it was going to be possible. But we did it. Zero dollars <laughs> right? to enough to print a run in three days. It was so hectic. And we probably had like just gotten our equipment set up too, and it was probably pretty pretty new for us. Oh my god, it was is a whole is a whole crazy thing. And I think not long after that, it became time for um, East Hampton Cultural Council grant proposals, and I was like, hey, <laughs> we oh, should yeah we should, the BCCs. Yeah. We got a few of those, yeah. We got a few of them. We sure did. We did sure they even did. Offer, did they do those in the last two years? They have. I didn't, um, I mean, the house fire and stuff kind of upset the equilibrium of writing grant proposals and getting that stuff done a little bit. Well, the house fire, a pandemic. Yeah, you know, understandably. Everything kind of, everything's all sort of pear-shaped right now, so yeah. Right, 
but they still do them. I didn't apply for this most recent cycle because they said they were really giving priority to um, largely outdoor, like mur- people painting public murals and things like that. Okay. And I thought, well, okay. what I'm doing doesn't match that. But Allison Murchie told me I should have applied. So, well, there's next year. Right. There's always next year. There's always next year. It sounds just, like Scarlett O'Hara. There's always tomorrow. <laughs> or, <laughs> yeah, or, or, or what, tomorrow, tomorrow. Anyway. Ew. <laughs> but anyway. I was, I was just thinking we, we just, we touched upon something kind of humorous, but also kind of interesting is that, you know, in putting the magazine and, and a release party show together in less, literally less than a week, including, you know, ad revenue and the whole thing. Well, I had my bands booked. Yeah. But everything and I had else, my films. Yeah, I had all that. Yeah. But we knew that we, and we knew where we were going to be doing it, but the, the kind of relative insanity of taking on a large project like that is sometimes easier if you don't really think it's going to be impossible. And I think that is sort of related to what your friend may have thought when he saw the raw space at the building and went, dude, you know, this is rough. And you saw right. the opposite. You saw the potential of like, yeah, it's rough, but this is just a bunch of junk. Junk can be moved. I think we even talked about that back then. You're like, oh yeah, we're getting, this is all getting out of here and it's going to be fine. But it's, you know, you still got to fix the floors up and you got to put up walls and, but it, it seems like the, the concept of it being an insurmountable task wasn't really you know, something that was going to stop you. And I just, just, I just thought there's a parallel there of, of, of well, like, you know, we can do this, right? Yeah. There's actually a really famous quote, and I need to look up to whom to attribute it, but it's those who think a thing cannot be done should not get in the way of those who are doing it. Yeah. Move out of my way. I'm, I'm, I'm barely I'm doing it anyway. And I think like a lot of that just comes back to my personality or my like drive to just like get things done. Like, you know, sure. There's like a thousand tasks that have to get done, but you just got to like kind of parse them out, take on the big ones first and then just fill in the details later, you know? Mm hmm. I, I think that's why you're such a good collaborator with with Meat for Tea projects is because we both have that kind of like do it anyway. Right. And then like if some, you know, uh, unforeseen circumstance comes up, we just like, well, what can we do to like work around this or fix it or try something new? Because if right. you just sit there and be like, well, that's it. We're we're done. We can't do anything else. Like there's always like there's always some way to figure out a solution. Sure. Absolutely. You know, I've, I've definitely witnessed that as well. The, the, like, okay, it, this is, this seems difficult. This seems maybe, maybe like there's no way out, but let's look at the, you know, where are the cracks in this that we can, we can stick a wedge in and, and make it work. I appreciate that kind of, that kind of problem solving. Me. Yeah. I think, I think, yeah, problem solving and just like, I feel like, you know, my, myself and meet and so on lab and meet for tea, like, you know, as sort of people that are being entrepreneurial, you don't like to take a defeat at all. So you just <laughs> got to figure out, like, we are going to figure out a way to make this happen, you know? Absolutely. Remember when we'd sit down doing the um, 
grant applications together and we'd always get to that final section where they were like, how will you hold your event if you don't get the grant funding? Right. Yep. And I'd like, always fill it in. Do it anyway. Right. right like we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> You're just going to make it easier. You know? Your name's just not going to be on it. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Like you you will help us, but we will still get it done even without your help. That's right. That's, that's the indie spirit. I, I completely appreciate that. I, I love, um, I mean, that's sort of how I've spent my whole life is, is largely working indie and then we're, you know, meeting Elizabeth and, and getting involved in her magazine, Never mind, you know, our lives intertwining, but her magazine, the indie spirit there, it was such a parallel to so much of what I had done in the prior couple decades. You know, after having been on a couple of record labels myself, I sort of decided to take it independent and do it myself and released many albums actually in the early 2000s all on my own nickel and they actually made money back when you could actually move a lot of cds now you can make cds and they don't sell that much but they still sell but but you know there was that like people were like oh it's so hard to to you have to be you have to be everything you have to be your own promotion you have to be your own your own distributor and it's like well okay then i'll just do as much of that as i can <laughs> right you know, i'm not going to be warner brothers so why worry about being warner brothers Right. Was this on uh, Mark Miller Productions? <laughs> More or less, yeah. It was my my little <laughs> label, which I still do. I still Radio use. Valkyrie. Radio Valkyrie Records. Yeah. Uh, oh, nice. I think I've put out, I don't know, probably eight or nine, maybe ten physical releases on that. Mostly my own stuff, but one other band as well at one point. And I've got a whole bunch of digital, you know, because people do digital only releases now. But sure. yeah, I still still do it still do it you know it's like why not and sure my aspirations of of rock and roll stardom probably went away back in in the 90s but it didn't mean i wanted to stop creating so like why would it, why, why should i let that get in my way yeah right let's go back to abandoned building brewery though yes. because from from when we did that first cirque in 2014 and i'm, I'm so happy we've like formed this lovely little little trio of making cool shit happen a few times a year. But since then, the brewery has really grown. Yes. And yeah, it's definitely um, taken off in the, in the last years. And, uh, you know, I want to just come back to, I, I think it was like a really great, just natural partnership. Like I really enjoy working with you guys. Uh, and I think it goes back to like those, you know, those house shows in Philly where it was just so easy to like have a good time with a bunch of music musicians and artists and people having a good time. And I feel like we're just doing the same thing now, just on like a sort of a, a different stage, you know? Yeah, I agree. That, Cause is that, that, that same spirit. Well, that is, yeah, that is sort of the flavor of it. Moving from the 11s to, to Sone lab sort of took it out of it being a show at a nightclub and the, all the formalities of that to being a house party. The formalities, <clears throat> you mean people talking over the spoken word performers? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Those <yes>. formalities. <laughs> the formalities of dealing with, with booking agents and, and, and marketing and people worrying about their poster budgets and things. People she, sneaking in the back door to avoid paying a cover. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that was formal as hell. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I use the 
term formalities a little, little liberal, liberally, but the, a little loosely, but right? The whole thing was, yeah, we we sort of took it, you know, took it DIY. It's like, well, well right. no, we're gonna we're gonna do it here, and we're gonna do it on our own terms. We're not a formal venue, but so what? Let's make it as cool as possible in like as if it was a house party, a basement. Show. So, so like that same idea is kind of like how I applied sort of the design of the brewery too. You know, it's just, you know, when it started, it was just me. You know, we don't have any like uh, big fancy investors or anything that have, you know, graphic designers or like interior designers either. So like the original look and when I go back and see pictures of like those first couple years of the tab from, I was sometimes I'm like, man, what was I thinking? Like <laughs> we got all second and third hand use couches and yeah. futons. Uh, and it like people loved it because it kind of had like, hey, I feel like I'm like at my friend's house, just kind of hanging out, having some beers. Totally. Yeah, and, totally. I mean, we, we really got that feel pretty good, almost too good. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. To to the point where like you know after after I feel I feel like it was you know year two and three where we started like okay like let's redo the floors and make them look a little nicer and we kind of like, all right, this couch is, you know, it's seen its better days. Let's kind of get rid of the, some of the crummier couches <laughs> and get some more like, you know, like kind of bar seating. And, you know, at the time, so this is, you know, this is 20, uh, you know, 15, 2016, like the craft beer scene in Massachusetts and all over the country is like really, like really picking up. I feel like new breweries at the time were like popping up all over the place. Mm -hmm. uh, East Hampton had its three already. Uh, all three of us, us, uh, New City and Fort Hill were like pretty well established. But, you know, a lot of these other towns like Westfield and uh, West Springfield and Florence and not Agawam, but I'm trying to think up north, uh, like Turner's Falls, all these towns were getting their own breweries. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Western Mass at the time was also like really kind of rising up in a destination location for arts and entertainment and being outside the outdoors. So like naturally breweries just went right, right along with that, like push for bringing people to the area and trying out beers. So there were like beer tours. I mean, there was all kinds of stuff going on. It was really fun. And really yeah, great. And yeah. um, at the time, I think this is when the those concerts in the park, yep. the Mill Pond Live series started. We had really kind of gotten our hands dirty with the Food Truck Friday uh, concept. And, you know, things were like the and this is at the same time. I think the mills, the parking lots had just been refinished. So yep. it was all fresh and looking good. I mean, 2016, 2019 were like things were were just jamming so hard. It was so much fun at the same time. Yeah, that was a kind of a peak period. I would say a, a peak period at the studio too. That we, there was just so much activity at the studio. I, I'd be at the brewery on the weekends. You'd be there, like setting yeah. recordings up or doing mastering. Like we're always seeing each other on the weekends, so it was yeah. definitely like a busy time. It's you know I, I I have to say it's probably more the pandemic than anything why things aren't quite as as insane in the studio as they used to be. But yeah, right around that time, it seemed like there was just so much enthusiasm pouring into the area for like the whole scene of it. 
And it, yeah, it was really, really exciting watching all that kind of blow up. I mean, it was East Hampton in general was blowing up. Right. Too. I was going to say East Hampton specifically. Oh yeah. Like I think it's taken over the position that Northampton used to proudly hold as, you know, the best little art city in the Valley. I think East Hampton's filled that niche. In a lot of ways. I think so. Yeah. And there's actually been yeah. writing about it. Yeah. Oh no, there was an article, I think in the Gazette not too long ago yeah. about that. Yeah. It was really touting like, you know, East Hampton is, East Hampton's like not the new, new Northampton. It's like East Hampton is its own thing now. It's, it's better. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yes. Even though we don't live in East Hampton anymore, I, I, you know, obviously still have my roots with the studio there and I'm not letting go of that. But East Hampton will always have a, you know, a, a strong part in my heart, a, a hard well, we place in my heart. We do our events there too yeah. and your I mean, studios yeah. there. We, we have a good foothold. You know, if we hadn't found this amazing apartment that was affordable and, and perfect for us in Holyoke, Beautiful. we might still be living in East Hampton, but sure. we couldn't turn this place down though. <laughs> it's just too nice. And it's only like 13 minutes over the hill. It's not bad. You know what? Yeah. I, I also live in Holyoke too, and it really isn't that far away. It isn't. Yeah, I don't think you. I think you're sort of in. You know, you're only a, a little ways down from the the 141 entrance there too. I think. Yeah, we're up at. Um, we're kind of near like where the um, Holyoke Community College campus is. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You're, you're sort of equidistant from from 141 as we are, but we're down. You know, on the Route Five end of things. But I know the neighborhood okay. you're in. Yeah, that's that's a nice place. Up, that's a nice area up there. Yeah, it's wonderful. Holyoke's got so much to it that I'm glad it's an up and coming place too. Beautiful right. old yes. buildings. Oh, it, yeah. You know, I, I had looked at some places in Holyoke at the time, but he said this was, you know, it was about 10 years ago. And there was a lot of potential, but it was still, a, you know, some of the places were a little bit beyond my ability, I thought, to, to do renovations and improvements. Yeah. And at the, at the time, like I said, there was uh, Paper City Brewing Company, if you remember that, was oh, um, yeah. was in Holyoke. <laughs> yep. I, I, I remember seeing bands play at Paper City. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I, God, we might have been <laughs> at oh, the yeah, same shows. Right. Yeah. I remember t seeing Tizzy play uh, back in sort of the early days of Paper City. This great local band, Tizzy. Uh, May Terry, the drummer, rest in peace now, but uh, wonderful Wonderful band. And I saw them play. I think there's even photographs of me at the show, like circulating around on Facebook or something. Oh, that's but, funny. But yeah, that was the only time I was actually ever in that space. But that was, it was like, I think it was my first time actually ever setting foot in like a craft brewery too. It was just sort of like, wow, what a scene. There's, right? there's, there's tanks and there's music. This is awesome. I went to a bunch of shows there. Right. It's just like lots of fun things. Yeah. So like at this, at this time frame and like the 2016, 2017s, like, you know, the space we have, it's, it's like two of those bays at our building. I think it was like, it's like 2,200 square feet, um, mm -hmm. maybe 2,300 square feet. And the, the tap room area was about a thousand square feet. And, you know, between the Cirques and like busy weekends and, um, our Halloween party, you know, mm -hmm. it would get really crowded in there really quickly. Mm -hmm. And to the point where like, you're like, this is, you know, it was getting jammed up. Yeah. If you put a hundred, if you put a hundred people in there, it's just 
elbow to elbow. Oh yeah, hundred I mean, percent. Yeah, just massively crowded. But then you had an opportunity, yeah. right? <laughs> yes, yeah. The so you know at the time, like you know, so Stone Lab is our neighbor, um, so we couldn't move in that direction. But our neighbors, our other direction, uh, sadly, um, very suddenly passed away. Yeah. Um, so sad. Tim. Yeah. Yeah. Rest in peace, Tim. He was the, he was the mayor of the building when I got there. Oh, he was. He was almost fundamental in helping us get things done because he just right? knew how to. He was the same way. He just get stuff done. He just and he also knew the building. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was. He was a remarkable. A remarkable guy. Yeah, he, he just could, like, if you had a question about the space or about, I don't know, mechanics or, you know, forklifts, he was kind of, like, a wealth of knowledge. Yeah. Um, and like I say, he suddenly passed away. Yeah. And the, you know, I, I don't believe the people that were working with him wanted to continue doing the, you know, following in the footsteps of the business. And uh, the space became available. And at the time it was, you know, so our space was like 2,200 square feet. And this new space I think was about, about like 6,000. So it was, um, it was triple the size. And yeah. the same question came back. I was like, this is so much space. What are, right. you know, what are you going to do? More than we ever could need. We were That's actually thinking about much. only, we're only thinking about taking, you know, negotiating maybe half the space. And I like stepped back. I was like, you know what? This has happened before where I thought I didn't need enough space and then I needed it eventually. <laughs> so <laughs> we were like, let's, let's just, let's stick with the whole space. Let's not put up any more walls. And, um, that was in 2018 when we did our, our, our big, really our only expansion, but it was a huge expansion. Mm-hmm. And that was another one of these projects where, you know, myself and staff and, um, some local, craftsmen we came in we took like this you know 1950s exterior with the green with the 1950s green green paint and really just like cleaned up the space and we're like this is a second chance to really kind of make the space you know look like a modern uh industrial feel after the things we learned from the first space and we're really happy with the way it looks right now yeah it's yeah. beautiful. It really is. What I do love about it, though, is that you do have the two rooms that do have the two vibes. You know, yes. They're, yes, they're, they're, both, they're both mill building vibes, but the sort of a little more unplanned, loose and fancy free, like we're going to use this corner of our, our brewery as a tap room feel of the original space still has such a good charm i think because it, it does now in in context feel intimate yeah i, I agree with well, you on by that. comparison by compare well then even by comparison but just like you when you i mean by comparison for sure but even so you walk in and it's like oh this is a nice little room i mean i i, I thought it was huge when i first saw the, the original tap room I was like well this is a huge space um, <laughs> right but then the yeah the new space being just so large but also not it's very warm uh, between the brick and the wood and how you've cleaned everything totally. up. Totally. It, you know, a big space like that could feel really cold. They can, it, it doesn't. They can. And I think like the unique design of our building, how it has, you know, it's, it's got these, these wooden columns that are throughout the space. So 
even though it's a huge space, you don't actually have like this wide, unobstructed view of the entire area. You've got these, you know, these giant wood columns every 10 feet. True. So it kind of like, it's got like this interesting, like, I don't want to call it like a forest, but it has like this kind of industrial, I don't know, like woods, woods look to it, you know? <laughs> well, sure, it is sure. like, like an industrial forest though, right? I mean, I, yeah, I, I guess, yeah. I, th- I think that being your first word you were grabbing for is appropriate. What what I like about it and how you actually laid out that large space using those columns as sort of natural dividers for the functionality. Yeah. Because it's sort of logical to do that. It's like, okay, well, uh, you know, on this side of the columns, there's that's where we have the, the new tank area with the concrete. And then in the, between the middle columns is sort of, it's the center of the room, the heart of the room. That's sort of the, the main public gathering space. And then it turns back more to functioning brewery type stuff with a bit of extra space over on the other side. But then the way the bar is centered down at the end cements that middle space as the gathering space. And it, 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 it just, you know, by design or by accident and probably a bit of both, it's great. It works. I love that room. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. It, it, it you know, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, I, I just like kind of walked into the room and I was like, great, like this is, this area is going to be where the tanks are going to go. We're going to make the tap room, the the communal space right in the middle, have a nice wide, huge bar. And, you know, even though you have these big columns that like act as these, act as sort of like dividers for the space, but there's plenty of space between the columns. So there's not continuous walls. But they do set about, you know, kind of delineating certain areas, which, which is very helpful. Yeah, it's just great. I, I love it. I, I want to have more. Well, you know, if we, you and I have talked about having more performances there as things get better with the, uh, you know, the ongoing plague, as Elizabeth says. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because it, it it has proven itself to be a very good room for more sort of formal performances as well as the informal, like, you know, they're, Hey, come to the tap room. Somebody's playing tonight. Kind of, right. You know, tap room entertainment, which is, is sort of a concert, but sort of like, here's our, here's our music for the evening. Come and have some beer and check out the music. The potential for, I think the potential for like, again, you and I have talked about this, but the potential for formal, exciting like ticketed events is is there and i actually am speaking with somebody who's going on tour uh, out of brooklyn in april and wants to come down in late april and play western massachusetts and i said oh really i'm gonna look into this and i haven't even talked to you about it because this is brand new news to me too uh i want to find also like a band locally that could maybe support you know, be, be the, the other act on the bill, but it would be a ticketed thing. And the logical place to do it would be in that room. It just, I mean, it's such makes, a unique space for live performances, you know? Yeah. And, 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 and when I mentioned that, you know, this is a possible venue for him, it's sort of a electronic noise experimental project. Uh, it's not necessarily abrasive noise. I'm all, he gets that way sometimes. And I don't know what his current touring sound is like 
but I know he also does a lot of ambient soundscapes and stuff. And it just kind of a slightly industrial warehousey setting is a great oh, yeah. aesthetic vibe for what he does. So that's that's something that's in the works. And, you know, you, know, you and I uh, off podcast can, can talk about that because it's, it's a brand new thing that just kind of landed in my lap. Uh, but again, to, going to the point of that room has so much potential for for so many types of, of performances as well as just functioning as a very lovely tap room on its own. And I'm so, I've been so excited since you built that room, like, Oh my God, this is so great. <laughs> we need more of this. Right. Right. Cause it's like, you know, there's a lot of performance spaces in Western mass and there's gotta be what, like a dozen places to see live music when there's not a pandemic. Um, <laughs> right. Well, and some have closed possibly forever, which is kind of a horrible thing. I know, thing, but... sad. I'm oh. glad um, Gateway City was reinvigorated. Yeah, they managed to they managed to bounce themselves they got back. A, they got a big fat grant. Oh yeah, they did. Congratulations! I, I love those yeah, guys. Kudos to them because that's important. I know Hawks and Reed is still kicking up in up in Greenfield. They certainly are. And we'll be back in just a moment. And welcome back. And now for this March Cirque, we're so glad we can do it in your space because even though the coast is clear at Sone Lab schedule-wise, we're grateful for more square footage. Yeah, I'm not really quite yes. comfortable. Spaces between people. Yeah, we're, we are ex- excited to, like, to host you guys again. And I think we've kind of gotten a pretty good handle on how to make the space feel comfortable for people too. Yeah, very much so. I know know my way around the the rooms a little bit better now too, having done it a couple of times. And I like that you have the same kind of strict mask policies and you're you're dedicated to keeping people safe and well. I appreciate that. We have been pretty vigilant about that. Yeah. For the safety of the staff, customers, you know, we don't want to have one of our staff get sick and they're like, well, we are, you know, we can't do things now because we're short staff. So yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a pretty easy thing to do. Have you had any, any challenges enforcing the mask policy? Has there ever been anyone that's been a weirdo about it? You know what? Not really. I think at this point, the East Hampton has had their mask policy in place for quite some time. I think it's been like since September. Yeah. And so at this point, I mean, that's like what? It's like four months. So we're just kind of like used to it by now. But we just have to sign a job and, you know, staffers are are know how to remind customers to, hey, can you, you know, wear your mask when you're ordering beers at the bar? And we haven't had any like grave situations at all. So I think people are overly uh, pretty understanding. That's, that's nice to hear. I I have heard, I have heard people come into and seen people come into the building unmasked going, Oh, we got to wear masks in here. And I'm like, Oh boy, you know, really come on. Yeah. But then I (laughs) imagine, I I imagine they very quickly go, okay. And they put on a mask, you know, they kind of go wine, 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 moan, fine. I'll do it. Yeah, and we have a box mask right at the door, so it's just like you yes. know, we can't make it any easier for you. <laughs> no excuse. Yeah, I love that you have that box there. It's 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 just sort of a hey. Be I cool. love that. I want to just go back in time before we go forward again. I I like that we did our first circ 
in June 2014. But then, was that the first time that you had, because I would have my exhibiting artists like try to have enough art to bleed over into the brewery. Because I noticed that shortly thereafter, then you started having a place for local artists too, which I really, really love and started doing film nights. So one of the nice things is, is that these, you know, we've got these huge open, open walls. Yeah. We were like working with you with the artists for the Cirques. And then, you know, when they were done showing, like we got to fill the walls up again. Right. So we were like pretty consistently like reaching out to artists to come show um, their work. We even worked with, I think when the Rust Temple came in. Love those guys. um, Yeah. We had some weird shit that they (laughs) were showing in the tap room. Even for like, I recall, I've seen some. Yeah, like there was stuff hanging from the ceilings, and a- after a couple of weeks, I was like, "All right, we got to clean this up a little bit." Um, Someone's gonna bump but, their head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but there was some really cool stuff. Um, like I said, I was really happy to like be like a platform for them to show show their uh, what they do up there because um, I mean, the Rust Temple is a really cool space if you haven't been up there before. Oh yeah, um, oh yeah, certainly have. Yeah, it's not really a public space, but uh, I feel like if you were to knock on their door, they would show you around for people listening. And uh, yeah, so we've we've always loved just like having um, people show their artwork uh, in the taproom space. And, you know, for those listening, if you're also an artist looking to show work, we are currently looking for people to show work in, in our new uh, taproom space called the Brickyard. We got lots of giant walls, so big pieces work really well. Attention mm. artists. And I'm reaching out to a few for the Cirque, too. Okay, perfect. Fingers crossed. I can put something together. Yeah. Actually, I think you had mentioned you had spoken to Chris um, yep. for this one. Chris Gentis. It's funny. I, yeah. We, I, had, I think you introduced me to him you know, years ago when we first started doing Cirques with us. And me, uh, him, and um, maybe it was his partner, I believe, we did a bunch of like graffiti stencil paintings, not paintings. Uh, oh, yeah, works, yeah. Heather McQueen. Yeah, Heather McQueen. Yeah, that's ex, who it was. Ex-partner now. Okay. Ex-partner. Um, well, things change. Things change. Yeah. Yeah. It was like eight years ago. It was a, it was a long time ago. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, we had like this whole like uh, graffiti stencil art jam uh, in the tap room. That's so cool. And, uh, I still have like two boxes of the canvases that we did that day. Oh, no um, kidding. I have them. Not all of them, but I have a bunch of them still. Yeah. <laughs> so if you ever wanted to like, maybe if, uh, if Chris is interested, we can resurrect some of these for the Cirque, you know? Hell yeah. That's an interesting concept. I'm, I, it's cool that those, those still exist, that you have them. He has not responded to my email. I'm going to try again. I mean, things get lost, so I'm going to try again. I also reached out to um, Maggie Nowinski, who's um, brilliant. Like I said, I could also still just like dig up these canvases and we could also display them too. Just, just do. Just I was just. The show. You, you took the words right out of my mouth, Matt. I was going to say, nice. well, as long as you've got them, what the heck? We could just, yeah, put those up too. So I just loved seeing that you, you, we were just so like minded, and you embraced and wanted to have art, and then 
there were regular films. Like I remember you had the Sisters of Belleville there. Which, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And other, oh yeah, the anniversary <laughs> parties. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you started getting like amazing bands like Karen A. Oh yeah, your anniversary parties, which which was very early on. One of my like first like really getting my fingernails dirty with you. Yeah, a bunch and, of and, and building brewery T-shirts. That's true. I've got a, yeah. I've got a collection. Like eight of them. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've got a bunch. <laughs> I wear them a lot. Well, I think it actually it comes back to a recommendation from you, Elizabeth, um, about uh, Kimaya Diggs. Uh, oh, my oh. former intern. I love. Yeah, her. Yeah, I think you had mentioned to me how you had you know she was your intern and you were really really happy with how she was working out for you. And um, I think I had said that we were looking for some taproom staff and you directed her towards me. Yep. That's funny. Because she was looking for a job. She's been on our staff ever since. Yeah, she's still, I know she's still I love the way these things just like grow. And with her being like such a great local musician, she was sort of our connection to the live music scene to get bands to play for the brewery um, anniversary parties. So... A lot of those great bands, I have to give credit to Kimaya for finding out. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, she does excellent yeah. work in, in pulling that stuff together. And, oh, of course, I mean, one of my favorite things that I've been involved in in recent years in terms of, of just any sort of musical um, technical involvement was the Halloween party the October before the shutdown. Oh, it was so good. I really wanted to go to that. Yeah, 2019, the 2019. I'd been at Mount Holyoke College at the Right Angles conference since like 7.45 that morning. Yeah. I had to wake up at the crack of ass for I, that. I think I, didn't I drop you off and then go start setting that show up? Yeah. Yeah. And then we talked about <laughs> me going to the show after I got back from the Right Angles conference, which is... You know, I had meat for tea out there, and then I, was, I went to a bunch of writing workshops and was selling meat for tea, and in between doing writing and blah, it was like a whole long day. And by the time I got home, I was like, I, I am super not getting dressed in anything or going anywhere <laughs> right. besides my pajamas, the couch, Real Housewives of some city. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is how the editor right. of Meat for Tea relaxes. Yeah. She, she, she said, um, I'm going to pass. But that was... I was sad to miss it, but I was yeah. exhausted. But that was sort of our first attempt at doing like a kind of full, live, loud club type performance in that space. It was like our first big produ- produced show. Yeah. Yeah. With, of course, Kimaya, which is actually what made me think of and it. And Lux Deluxe. And, yes, and her, yeah. her lovely husband's band, Lux Deluxe, uh, backing her up and then also playing their set. And, you know, it was a little technically hairy for, for moments, and we, we did have to kludge things together a little bit, but, you know, just to sort of tune ourselves to the room. But, boy, once that room was filled with people and Kimaya took the stage... And the music started playing. That room hummed. I know. I was so sad. It really it. did. It was. It was just like, oh, wait a minute. I heard the lore. <laughs> <laughs> and you and you, you know, while we're doing sound check, you were hanging those first initial acoustic panels from the ceiling, 
And we were noticing yeah. as each, as each one went in like, Oh yeah, that's an improvement. <laughs> sounds better. Sounds still better. That was a, a busy day prepping for that. It, and not alone, just like to, decorating the space for a Halloween show, but yeah, hanging these big acoustic panels from our ceiling. <laughs> yeah. We, and, and, you know, and I brought in a bunch of lights too. And, you know, and again, like we, we put together basically a PA system and a half to try to sort of make it work. Cause the PA that I have is seemed to be inadequate. It actually probably wouldn't have been, but what we were trying to achieve was maybe uh, a bigger, louder sound than even needed to happen. But that's what we did. <laughs> So, of course, as one does. You know the, the two circs that we've done in there since then. Yes. I've brought, I brought in my regular PA, and it's been sounds so good. It's yeah, and also it's just not as loud, and I think it just didn't need right. to be that loud. But we were thinking, yeah. you know, we were thinking like this is a rock club, and it, no, it didn't need to be rock club. You can satisfy people in that space with actually a very reasonable volume. Where even me, Mister, I wear earplugs all the time. Earplugs are for pussies. That's what she says, but yet she still has her hearing. So go figure that out. My hearing is super acute and I've been to every punk rock show you can think of. It's true. But the, the two, the two shows, the two circs that we did, you know, with, you know, each of them had at least a loud band involved. Two loud bands. This last one, Editrix yeah. and Extemper. Yeah. They were loud. Yeah. Editrix well, was on one and Extemper on the other. And then we had... With X Temper was Toxic Friends, who were fairly loud. Oh, that's right. And, tricks and then was Angry, with Baby, Angry Baby. Yeah, and Angry Baby who aren't loud. We're not loud at all. But even Editrix and, and X Temper, who get pretty loud, we were able to get a volume in there that was like I didn't really feel I needed earplugs, which but it sounded good. So that's really right. encouraging because you can make music, I think, more enjoyable if you don't blast people out of out of their chairs because they are actually going to hear the music yeah better. it's not always necessary when it gets to a certain volume your ears just shut down and i think we learned i learned that backwards from from the lux deluxe halloween party show is that that room behaves great when you can keep the volume at a certain level and it's super clear since we're talking about Halloween, I want to talk about one other thing with Matt before we probably start to wrap this up. True. We've been... Yeah, it's been a good... Well, that, that's why we have our friends yeah. on, because we already know you're a good hang. So, you were, you were a zombie in a movie that I showed um, at a Cirque. Is that your... Wait, what? Wasn't <sighs> he a zombie? Or was he with the zombies? Oh, are you thinking of uh, one of the oh um, <laughs> the Ghost Blasters? Yes. Oh, <laughs> right. I'm wondering Those how guys. many other forays into acting you've made. Uh, I think that was um, probably my my most recent and probably only cameo I've had in a you know local production film in a long time. So you used to act in local films prior and some Maybe I worded that the wrong way. That was my only time being in a film. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, you, you killed it. The way you worded okay. it made, made, made you sound like you had a, uh, an air of mystique. Like you know, it, no, it made it sound like somewhere maybe back in Philly you were acting in indie films a whole bunch. <laughs> no, I never really uh, took to being in front or behind the camera at all. But yet there you were. That's great. 
Yeah, yeah. How did those? I think they just reached out to us because they had. Oh, I know what it was. They had done a similar type vibe at a brewery in Ludlow called Iron Duke, also at a mill building. Mm. And uh, nice. they came up on a on a Saturday before the tap room opened. Maybe it was a Sunday. Either way, and uh, we just they had this, you know, this kind of like half-assed like um, uh, script for what they wanted to do, and I was like, sure, let's go at it, you know. And they just filmed it on an iPhone, and I think the general gist of it was something about the brewery was haunted with mm-hmm. Prince's ghost. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. No, this is no, this is ringing your it bell. It was so silly and fun. It was so good. I had such a good time that day. Those guys, they really said they were just a bunch of goofballs, but really, like, you know, as the day went on, they were like just editing it on their phone. And the day was over, and the film was pretty much shot and made and edited for the most part. Um, wow. Yeah. And then we showed at the Cirque. Uh, spot, yes. Was it the, the last one before the shutdown? Oh, mm. I'm not sure. Um, I feel like it, it was might have been. It was maybe September, or maybe it was September of 2019. September. Um, so we, we still had a circ and did we? Yeah, we did September, December, and March. And March, March, March 2020, 2020 was our last circ. Oh, you're right. The you're right. Yeah, yeah. But they were they were a bunch of a bunch of goofballs. They're good guys though. Well, no, goofballs I, are often I remember good all guys. This now, yeah. <laughs> This that was, was so fun. And you could tell you were having fun in it. I think that's <laughs> what made your performance yeah. so good is like Matt's having a good time being goofy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The good, it was the ghost blasters with a Z. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. With the Z, of course, the tongue in cheek 80s spelling. Yeah. So good. Yeah. We've got a Thomas Matthew Campbell film for this upcoming Cirque, this March one again. So you might remember um, his film Thicker Than Water. Do you remember the, the, where where I played um, someone come back from the grave? Oh, I do remember that now. Yeah, I remember seeing you in that. Uh, it, well, it was hilarious. I got so complimented on doing such a good job with my makeup and looking undead. And um, the fact of the matter is the whole time we were filming... I'd had a really bad case of undiagnosed pneumonia. Oh. So I, I just literally was not feeling very well at all. And it wasn't makeup. I was just really fucking sick. And the camera, the camera just loved oh, it. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. But that's why I was so pale. The circles on my eyes. And none of that was makeup. I was just like really fucking sick. But it, just looks, it really worked. Pale. <laughs> it worked right. for playing someone back from the dead. Well, I'm yeah, excited to see, is he playing another, do you know, have you seen the film yet? Is it more? I haven't seen the film undead? yet. I, I, there might be more dead people. He usually has things to do with cycles of life and death and dying and fate. So we'll see where it goes. I, I trust his work so much. I like his work so much that if he's got something to show, He's one of those people, um, Thomas Matthew Campbell, Piper Preston. There's a few videographers and local filmmakers who if they've got something new, I know I want to show it. Sure, sure. Because I just know it's going to be good. Right. And, and, and I, know, I know that Austin 
has been oh, extremely, and campy, campy films. He's been extremely, extremely busy the past two years. And apparently he's got like, I think he was telling me 18 films of various lengths that are <laughs> oh. in various stages of completion. If he's got another short one, I'll see how long Thomas's yeah. is. We might get another one. Yeah. He's got so much stuff in the works. It's just ridiculous. People are, we're spoiling. What is it? Um, Two things no one ever wants to watch being made are um, laws and sausages. <laughs> and we're talking about like what we're having in this Cirque. People are seeing like what's in the sausage. Yeah. Right. My, my philosophy is that there are no secrets. If you think you have a secret, somebody else already knows it anyway. Someone you know, knows about already. Yeah. yeah. True. Yeah. You just do it differently than they do. That's all. That's the only difference. So Matt, is there any other brewery news or new beers or... Well, I, I'll say right now, I'm drinking cool beans as we record this. I can smell it. It smells oh, like morning nice. coffee. It, it smells like he's sitting like across the, next to me at the table. And it smells like morning coffee. The coffee aroma is strong. I have, I have coffee breath. I like oh, it. boy. Oh, you like yeah, it? Okay, we, good. Because coffee breath can be a little. <laughs> but, well, you're not like Frenching me. Whoa. So. <laughs> Hello, listeners. <laughs> we are we married. Fresh brewed coffee in that beer, so mm -hmm. I'm happy you're fresh. getting the aroma. Yeah, fresh no, cold it's super brew. Tasty. Yeah, but that that is what I am actually enjoying as we do this right now. You know, we neglected to do this last time, but I think before we go into our final questions, well, any any well, other yeah, new brewery that's news? Um. You know, we're, we're getting geared up for hopefully a full season of some food truck Fridays. Uh, once we, yeah, exactly. Once we get around to May, excited. you know, we're just going to, we have a couple of uh, new beers coming out in a couple of months. Do you know what the flavors are? Well, so one of them is uh, part of a sort of like a nationwide collaboration called the Pink hmm. Boots Society. And, nice. uh, it's beers, uh, it like celebrates women in the beer industry. So we are going to participate in that for the first time this year. Nice. And, cool. Um, so that's like a, you know, where you can donate a portion of your funds to, or your proceeds to sort of any organization that you, um, feel fit can uh, receive them. So that'll be out, I think around March and, We'll be coming out with an anniversary beer uh, for our eighth anniversary in May. Woohoo! Mm -hmm. So you know, always things to keep looking uh, looking out for. Your anniversaries and our wedding anniversary are kind of lined up. Yep, it's nice. I know <laughs> yeah. they they do it's kind of fall cool in line. Thing. The studio's ten ten year anniversary is this April. Oh, wow. And, um, you haven't had an anniversary party for years, too, yeah, since no, you we did had, the one-year anniversary we, we party. We did the opening party and the one-year anniversary party, and then we haven't done any since. So we should probably do a 10-year anniversary party, I, I would think. If it's safe. Um, so that may be something that needs to be considered. But, yeah, ten, we're coming up on 10 years, which is just bananas. That's um, so exciting. Where yeah. do you want people to find you and follow you on social media and whatnot? So the best place to check us out would be on our uh, website, abandonedbuildingbrewery.com. And then for following us on Instagram or Twitter uh, or Facebook, you can find us at the uh, shortened name, AB Brewery. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
We'll put this in the show notes too, right now. I will attempt to remember to do that mental note. Are you on Twitter or you're on Instagram, right? Yeah, Instagram is the AB Brewery. Yeah, definitely Instagram. And Twitter? Yeah, yeah, so AB Brewery. And then for Twitter, I think it's the same handle also, AB Brewery. Okay. Okay, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, yeah. Cool. So we like to ask people just a couple questions. Yes, this is where I was hoping we were going. Before they go. Well, you didn't think I'd forget, did you? (laughs) No, I did not. So what are you reading right now, Matt? Oh, you know what? I've been reading this book for so long. What is the name of it? I don't even know the name of it, but I've been reading it for a couple pages every night. It's up on my nightstand right now. You can get it's it. Kind of a, yeah, give me one second. Edit, editing is magic. Editing is magic. Okay, I am back. Hello. So I, you, what hello. a cool sounding house. <laughs> So I am reading a book called The Magus by John Foles. Oh, yes. Yes, I wanted to read that. I have. Wasn't it pretty well reviewed, like New York Review of Books and all that? It did get, yeah, very well reviewed. Um, New York Times book reviews gave it pretty high marks. Um, It's kind of a, it's, it's, it's kind of a dense book. So um, it's been taking me a while to get through it, but. Uh, it is quite interesting. Very cool. What's it about? Yeah. So uh, it's kind of, it's one of those books where I, you don't really know what's going on until you, you know, you, you read the words, you can't really predict what's going to happen next. Cool. That's the best. Yeah. It has to do the, there's a character that is, um, left the UK and is spending time in Greece and comes across an interesting person who has a way of hypnotizing him and things kind of happening from that. Oh, okay. Um, wow. So yeah. It, it's, it's interesting. If you're looking for, it's, it's not quite, uh, it's, it's not a very straightforward book at all. I hmm. like that. I, th- I think yeah. that's going on my list. Yeah. I would check it out. When I come up for air after I'm in two book clubs and then there's all my meat for tea submissions. So Yeah, and we're we're getting our chat I read a little bit going again and Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a whole bunch going on. So what are you listening to right now? What's on your turntable or if you don't have a turntable, your other preferred means of listening. Any 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 music device qualifies, but new bands, new course, records. If you because you have a turntable, because I, I know this, I think for a certainty. Uh, vinyl acquisitions are always interesting. Sure, yeah. My wife does have a turntable. Um and recently cool. we got so I got her for Christmas uh an original release of the Beatles Abbey Road. Mm. Nice. So that was really, really, she's a, um, a huge Beatles fan. So we are collecting a lot of, um, original Beatles releases. Yeah. And did you watch get back? We did. We did. We really enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. It's something else. So good. We're going to watch it again. Like given a little more time, we're going to come back to it. Cause there's so much in there. You need it. I think you need a second viewing. We could talk, that could be a tangent that could go on forever. So let's not go there. Just suffice it to say, yay, you watch Get Back. Oh, maybe we'll ask Matt again for some other time for a little half hour chat where we just reminisce about Get Back and we make it bonus Patreon content. Ooh, hey, there's an idea. 
but, that might be but, fun. So, but you were saying, yeah, yeah, getting getting some of the the original vinyl and not necessarily perfect condition. I think actually we talked about this briefly. Yeah, it, you know, it's. I think the record came from a seller in the in California. Um, it's pretty good. You know, there's a there was like one track on the second side where it did skip mm-hmm. a little bit. Oh yeah, we did talk um, about that. You could, if you look at it very carefully, you might see that there might actually be some foreign ob- object um, sort of lodged in the groove, and you can remove that. Okay. Uh, if you're very careful, Mark might be able to fix it for you. <laughs> is what he's saying. Uh, but. <laughs> But yeah, the, you know, it's, it's fun getting original or early pressings of the Beatles stuff because it's, well, it is hit or miss because they press so many that the quality varies wildly. But with, what it's leading me to is exploring getting the American versus the British albums. Oh, yeah. Which doesn't matter from Sgt. Pepper's on. But if you're going to explore Beatles catalog... Is that a doggy? That is a doggy. Yeah, that's my dog. Cute. I hear cute doggy sounds. Yeah, I was going to say there's Hi, Casey. Hi, Casey. But if you're going to explore Beatles catalog on vinyl, explore from pre-Sergeant Peppers, so basically uh, Revolver and earlier, explore the American versus the British catalog because the albums differ sometimes wildly and sometimes they're just not even the same, Um, not even the same titles. And there's a lot of really interesting things to, to, to discover if you do that. But that's my Beatles nerdery for this podcast. I won't go any further. <laughs> okay, final question. What are you watching these days? Well, uh, I've watched a lot of the Great British Bake Off show with my yes. wife. Recently. <laughs> yes. Yay, we love that show. And... Um, we're also watching some old episodes of the television show Survivor. Oh, oh wow. You know, that's one yeah. I've never watched. Interesting. Oh, does Casey want to go out? No, she's, she was just out. She's playing right now. Oh, that's a chew <laughs> toy. That's toy. not her crying. That's cute. <laughs> yeah. Squeak toys welcome on the meat for I've never place. watched Survivor. Do you recommend? Is there a reason to watch this? You, you know, I had never seen it before either, but... Uh, my wife, Claire was like a huge fan of it and it has definitely grown on me. Interesting. The, you know, it's got its structure for the show. Um, you know, the whole basis is that you're taking, you know, 20 odd people and putting them on an Island in the middle of the ocean and they have to, you know, work as a collective group. And at the same time, you're trying to, be the last person that's not voted out to win the million dollars. So it kind of is like this really interesting social experiment where you have to um, make connections with people you just met and also like survive on an Island with minimal food. So it's kind of interesting in that it's, it's not, there's very little um, outside inputs except the environment. Right. Are, but aren't they also in in some way they're they're being asked to collaborate, but they're also being asked to fuck each other over? Okay, yes. Yeah. It's a two way street. So mm. yeah, you have to like work together, but at the same time, like you have to maybe lie and backstab to get other people out, and you survive to be the end. There's a podcast Strategy. called Spectacle. Very. 
And there's an episode focusing on Survivor, but Spectacle is all about America's fascination with reality television. It's pretty cool. Yeah, at the same time, it definitely is a reality show. It's, you know, it's a reality show for sure. It's also been on for like 22 years. It's pretty it's crazy. It's one of the longest running ones ever, oh, wow. right? Yeah, yeah. So it, it's, uh, if you watch yeah. the, you know, season one to now, it's come a long way. So wow. it's it's so, currently still in production. They currently are producing it still. It had a small That's, hiatus because of the pandemic, but well, they, sure. yeah. um, they currently, they usually release two seasons per year. They could have done a spinoff, COVID-19 Survivor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then so it's, dark. Yeah, feature, featuring a cast of, featuring a cast of, you know. And then there were none. The world's yeah. population. <laughs> what a terrible thing. Oh, I'm mercy, so dark. Mercy, mercy, mercy. This has been fun, Matt. I'm so glad yeah, you could join us. And seriously... We should think about doing a little, um, having a chat with you some other maybe afternoon and we just reminisce about get back together. Maybe Clara sure. can join us too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she should definitely be part of that. That'd be fun. I think so. This is how we have dinner with our friends when we can't invite friends over for dinner. Right, yeah. I, it I works. Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate you coming on, Matt. It's, you know, being being your neighbor, getting to know you, having you as a friend over the years. Collaborator. Been, yeah, it's been it's been a great a great time and I'm really happy to be able to share a bit of this with you know, our our world outside of East Hampton that the podcast might reach. Our readers, as I like to call them. Our readers. They're not our listeners. They're our readers. They're reading this podcast. Well, you read audiobooks. That's true. If you can read an audiobook, you can read a podcast. Absolutely. Yeah, I've had a great time tonight. <laughs> I had a great time <laughs> tonight, too. Wonderful. Yay. That makes lots of great times had. I'm going to say goodnight and get some pasta water boiling. And I'm going to say <laughs> I'm going to say goodnight and say thank you again, thank Matt Tarlecki, for being our guest on the Meat for Tea cast. That was thank you, charming. Matt. And I will see you around the shop. Thank you, Mark and Elizabeth. All right. All right. That was great. Matt's great. Yeah, that's great. Great stories. Really cool insight into the history of how the brewery got started and, uh, well, how it's still going. That's amazing. Good going strong. Yeah, going really strong. Through the pandemic. Yeah, well, with accommodations, but yes, absolutely. So I think that about wraps us up for this episode of the Meat for Tea cast. Thanks for sticking around. Thanks for being here. We'll talk to you next time for Season 3, Episode 12. We'll bring you writer Michael Washburn. Who's that, you say? Well, maybe you need to go to meatfortea.com forward slash buy and pick up some issues <laughs> that have his work in them. Yeah, you could do that. Hint, 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 hint. $5 PDFs, folks. All right. Well, thank you very much. We will catch you in a couple weeks. See you next time. The Meat for Tea cast is produced by Elizabeth McDuffie and Meat for Tea, The Valley Review. Mixed by Mark Allen Miller at Stone Lab, East Hampton, Massachusetts. Visit Meat for Tea at www.meatfortea.com. Please consider going to anchor.fm to make a contribution through our contribution page. You can reach us through meatforteacast at gmail.com, or you can leave a voice message at anchor.fm 
forward slash meet for Teacast. We welcome suggestions for our contents for the Meet for Teacast. If you've attended a Meet for Tea Cirque and want to hear from one of the bands or one of the spoken word contributors, please let us know. All portions are copyright Meet for Tea and their respective holders. Vote for Meet for Tea on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter at Elizabeef, Meet for Tea on Instagram, and on the Meet for Tea and Meet for Tea cast Facebook pages. Meet for Tea is available everywhere you get your favorite podcasts. <laughs>